Nine-year-old Atticus had his bicycle stolen. Not once, but twice in the same month. When a group of teenagers heard about his unfortunate situation, they got together and raised $360 to buy him a new bike. Atticus's parents were so moved by their act of kindness, they decided to pay it forward. So they donated the money to an organization that provides bikes to deserving children. You see, when you're willing to share your gifts with others, there's no limit to the impact they can have. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Each of us has been given gifts to fulfill our role in building God's kingdom. And this week, Charles Tapp continues with this series, Going Deeper, Reaching Wider, experiencing the presence and power of the Holy Spirit by helping you discover the purpose God has intended for you by examining the gifts His Spirit has poured out on each of our lives. With his message, The Gift That Keeps On Giving. As we begin part four in our series today, I want us to go back to take a look once more at Peter's words in the book of Acts and the second chapter. Turn there with me, Acts chapter two, verses 17 and verse 18. Look at what God's word says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Again, the setting here is during the time of Pentecost. Pentecost was the celebration of the spring harvest festival celebrated on the 50th day after the Passover, also known as the Feast of Weeks. And the Passover, the Feast of Pentecost rather, commemorated the completion of the grain harvest. But it was also during this time that God's people celebrated the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And it was during the celebration of this festival that the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had made to his disciples when he told them to tarry and to wait for it would be received in great power. And mind you, this is the same power the Apostle Paul reminds us of in Romans chapter 8 that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus said, tarry here, wait to receive this power, and once you receive this power, you then will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even, Jesus says, to the very end of the earth. And as I shared in part three of this series, although the power of the Holy Spirit provides us with the ability to do. Scripture, Jesus 
included, places greater emphasis not on the power to do, but the power to be. Even the Apostle Paul chimed in on this. Let's look at his letter to the believers at Galatia, Galatians chapter 5, this, this well-known passage, Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against, Paul says, there is no law, no limit to the abundance of fruit that the Holy Spirit can bear in the life of the believer. Again, the power of the Holy Spirit and his presence is not just to give us the ability to do, but it calls upon us and gives us the ability to be. And lest we forget, it was the same power of the Holy Spirit that once it is allowed to have full reign in your life and my life, helps us then, Jesus says, to be Christ's witnesses to the world. And we're witnesses of Jesus, not by the words that we speak, not even by the actions that we do, because those who don't even profess to believe in God or Christ as the Savior can do good things, good acts. But we are witnesses of Jesus Christ based on the fruit of the Spirit that has been born or reproduced in your life and my life. If you want to know if you truly have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, ask those who are closest to you whether there is fruit whether there is love and joy and peace and long-suffering. But not only does the presence and power of the Holy Spirit produce spiritual fruit, spiritual characteristics of Christ and his Spirit in our lives, but it is the same Holy Spirit that also imparts to each one of us special gifts, special abilities that are to be used for the building up of the body of Christ and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And Paul, more than anyone, has more to say on the topic of spiritual gifts than anyone else. So let's go back to our original scripture reading that we read earlier today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we look at verses 1 to verse 7. Look at what it says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. And Paul is saying this because there was a great deal of confusion that was swirling around regarding the gifts of the Spirit and just the workings of the Spirit in general among the believers at Corinth. He says, you know that you were Gentiles, in other words, those who didn't know God, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. In other words, you, you won't have that kind of fruit if the Spirit of God is in you. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. Then he begins to go into this whole 
idea of what spiritual gifts are. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, how these utilizations of these gifts shall be carried out, but the same Lord. And then there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Look at verse seven. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of some. All what? All for the profit of all, not some. In other words, as we said in part three, there is no discrimination when it comes to God pouring out his spirit. But his spirit is poured into any soul who is willing to invite him in. And just in case we didn't understand what all meant, he goes on to say who the all were. Men and women and freed and slaves and young and old. All. Which makes it clear that the distribution of gifts, these these special abilities that God gives through the presence and power of his Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ and to advance the kingdom of God in the words of the prophet Joel will be given to all. And if all would receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, wouldn't it only make sense then that all would receive the gift or gifts of the Spirit? Now let's be clear. A spiritual gift is an ability that God gives us that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to be used by the members of the body for the body and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And just as the gift of salvation is by grace through faith, so spiritual gifts are a display of God's grace in the life of the believer. We are saved by the gift of grace, Paul says, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is the gift of God, he says, and no one has the right to boast. In other words, you cannot brag about what you have done to save yourself. The very means that we have to be saved, it is a gift, just as the spiritual gifts are gifts. But look at what he says in Ephesians, as he talks about the gifts further in Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 to verse 13. Look at what he says. And he himself gave to some, he's adding now to the list, to be what? Apostles. To some what? Prophets. To some evangelists. And some what? Pastors and teachers. Verse 12. For, here it is, the equipping of the saints for the what? Work of ministry for the edifying or the building up or the enhancement of the body of Christ. Look at verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I hope you understood what Paul is saying here. These gifts are so that you and I can use them to help one another grow in the knowledge of God, our faith, and our Christian maturity. These spiritual gifts. Several years ago, I I saw a film that had a profound impact on my life. It was the film titled, Pay It Forward. Anybody see that film? The film was about a story that was about a seventh grade social studies teacher who decided to give his class an assignment where he told them, I want you to come up with a plan and idea that can really have a powerful, tangible effect on your community. And this student in the seventh grade by the name of Treasure, Trevor rather, came up with this idea. And his idea was this, that if, if someone gives you something or if someone does a favor for you, instead of paying that person back, He said, instead, I need you to pay it forward into the lives of three other people. Sounds simple, but it took this class, this school, even this city, if you watch the film, by storm. And it changed people's lives forever. But what is at the heart of this project pay it forward is the idea that whenever something is placed in your hands Larry it's not just for you but it's to use to bless others as well who says amen to that but as I thought about it in preparation for our message today I said this is the idea behind spiritual gifts These special abilities that have been empowered by the Holy Spirit given to us, not just so that we can walk around and go, you know what, I got a spiritual gift. But that it be used so that I can use my gift, whatever that gift is, whether it's the gift of teaching, the gift of discernment, the gift of hospitality, whatever it is, administration. I need to use that gift, not just for me. I need to use that gift and pour it into your life and your life and your life so that you can be built up as a member of the body of Christ. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And here's the thing. The same spirit that gives us these special abilities is the same spirit who gives us the fruit or characteristics of the spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, and all the rest. And why is that important? Because when I use my spiritual gift, it needs to be propelled by the fruit that is in my life. So when I go around using my gift of hospitality, I need to do it with love. I need to do it with joy. I need to exercise my patience 
as I'm teaching using my spiritual gift. They go hand in hand. And that's what makes spiritual gifts so powerful. Not just the ability themselves, which are empowered by the Holy Spirit, but by the fact that they are being propelled by the spiritual fruit that is being born in my life and your life. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Gift That Keeps on Giving. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. I'm going to take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in His grace and breathing out His praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else and so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged to get more encouraging content go to wgts919.com this is simple truths for life and this week charles tap helps you discover the purpose god has intended for you by examining the gifts His Spirit has poured out in each of our lives. With His message, The Gift That Keeps on Giving. At a church I pastored many moons ago, there was a woman who thought she had the gift of hospitality, so we made her one of the ushers and she passed out the, the bulletins as folk came into the church. And one Sabbath, I just happened to walk by and I saw her going, here, need a bulletin? It was like, whoa. So I had to pull her aside and say, sis, have you had a rough day? So she thought she had the gift of hospitality. And maybe she did. But if it was not propelled by love, a fruit of the spirit, what does Paul say about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? If I have what? The ability to speak with all kinds of what? Tongues, but have, which is a what? Gift but have not love, which is a what? Fruit, I'm just what? Sounding brass or what? Clanging cymbals. In other words, you're just making a whole lot of noise. There are three things that you and I receive the moment we accept Jesus Christ into our lives. The first is this, we receive salvation. I didn't say that you'll receive salvation after you mature with your fruit. The very moment you and I said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior, he gives us the gift of salvation. The gift. You don't have to work for it. It's not a gift if you have to work for it. Salvation is a gift. Please. If you forget everything else I've said, but I hope you don't, please don't forget this. You don't have to work for salvation. You can't. 
it is a gift. For if you have to work for salvation, you have made null and void the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He died for nothing. So at that moment, I received salvation. The second thing that the Spirit gives us when we accept Jesus into our lives is he plants within our hearts the root of the Holy Spirit, which ultimately bears fruit of love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, and all the rest. And if you know anything about planting, the moment you plant something, it does not enter into a state of full maturity, does it? But it's there. And over time, it matures. And that's the way the fruit of the Spirit works. But at that moment, you and I receive fruit. I've got love, but it's not at the level where it needs to be. As a matter of fact, the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives will be going on until Jesus returns. And then the third thing that the Spirit gives us that we're talking about today, these special talents, these special abilities empowered by the Holy Spirit to be used for the building up of the body of Christ and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And here's what I want us to understand, that when it comes to these gifts, whatever they may be, you and I have no part to play in deciding who receives what gift. Let's go back to Paul's letter, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. But one of the same Spirit works all these, what? Things, distributing to each one individually as what? He wills. He meaning referring to the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit determines who receives what particular gift. And Proverbs 18, verse 16 tells us, that a believer's gift makes room for them. In other words, our gifts determine our purpose within the body of Christ. And because the Holy Spirit is the one who decides who receives what gifts, you and I have no business being jealous or envious of someone else who has a different gift than we have. But we need to be content with the gift that God has given us because that's the thing that determined our purpose. The day I understood what my spiritual gifts were, it freed me from worrying about what someone else is doing and how they're doing it. I now could do me. One of my mentors told me years ago, I asked him, I said, What's the key to your success? And I never forgot the answer that he told me. He was a preacher and evangelist and a singer. And he said, the key to my success is I have learned to stay in my lane. I know who I am. I don't need to be anybody else. Nobody can be a better Charles Antoine Tapp than me. You know anybody who can? And because you and I don't decide who gets what gift, I don't need to be jealous of you, for your gifts determine your purpose. 
My gifts determine my purpose. And Paul deals with this issue in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 15 to 19, where he gives this analogy of the human body. He says, think about it. You being jealous of somebody's gift is like the foot on your body being jealous of your hand. Or the ear on the side of your head being jealous of your eye. There's no need to be jealous. Because if we all stay in our lanes, imagine what our bodies could do. But if you got a hand that wants to be a foot, that's not going to work. And in the church, we got too many feet trying to be hands. Too many hands who want to be feet. Too many ears, as Paul said, want to be the whole body. You can't do it. Your gifts determine your purpose. And you and I give glory to God when we are fulfilling our purpose. And because our gifts, which are given by the Holy Spirit, determine our purpose, there should be no attempt by anyone to discriminate against someone using their God-given gifts for their God-given purpose because of their age, because of their gender, or because of their socioeconomic status. Because God decides whom he will use and how he will use them. So if God decides to give the spirit of prophecy to a 13-year-old, who are we to tell them they can't use their God-given gifts? Why? Because it's a work of the spirit, and the spirit does not discriminate based on gender, based on age, based on one's background, whether you're, whether you're free whether you're a slave, God decides. We have the audacity to allow our prejudices and our preconceptions to say that person can't serve because they're of a particular gender or because they're too young or because they've only been in the church a year. But if they have the gift, leave them alone. If Jesus were in our time today, we would tell Jesus, Jesus, you got to go sit down. You don't fit the criteria. You come from a poor background and questionable birth. We can't use you. We need to stop being God or trying to be God and let God be God. In these last days, God's spirit is going to be poured out in such magnitude. He's going to be using the young and the very young and the old and the very old, he's going to be using people that may not fall into our idea of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And Paul says, that is God's determination. Not mine, not yours. So get out of the way and let them use their God-given gifts and abilities empowered by my spirit the way I choose and not you. No professed follower of Jesus should be content with not using his or her spiritual gifts. For Christianity is not a spectator sport. And I'm not talking about holding a church office. Too many of us are fighting for offices, but we don't want to use our gifts, which makes me question why you want the office in the first place. For when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he gives us salvation, He plants within us the seeds of spiritual fruit 
that grow, mature, take root. But then he also gives us gifts and abilities. And he says, now use these, pay it forward. Let it be the gift that keeps on giving, that you pay it into somebody else's life and they will do the same. And let me decide, let me be the one since I'm God, let me be the one who decides who receives what gift, how they are used, when they are used, and where they are used. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Gift That Keeps on Giving. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. One day, if we continue in our foolishness and our stubbornness, the Spirit is going to leave the building. Next week, Charles Tapp continues with the fifth and final part in this series, Going Deeper, Reaching Wider, and asks, will God's Spirit always make an effort to perform His transforming work in our lives, or will He ever decide one day to just leave the building? With his message, The Departure of the Spirit. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore.